We know that this year, it is a year of revelation where we understand more fully these concepts and these aspects. You know, we can quote day and night that God loves us, that God loves you, but until you receive a revelation of his love, that changes everything. That understanding that God really does love me. We were reminded so far of how transforming just one revelation can be, just one life transformation. We've learned so far about what Jesus had said here. It's a crazy revelation that it is better for us, and it was better for his disciples at the time that he would die and rise again, that he would leave them than it would be for him to be with them, walking through this world, walking through life and ministry. And Jesus said it was for this reason in John chapter 16, Jesus said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. All the truth. How awesome is that? The Holy Spirit wants to guide you and to lead you into all of the truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll only speak what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. And he will glorify me. And that's Jesus speaking. Because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. It's all about Jesus. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I say the Spirit will receive from me what he has made known to you. So this is not just about mere words. Because God's kingdom is not a kingdom of words. The only reason that God's kingdom is so about words is because words bring about things, right? Everything that we need can be received by just a word of God. All that Jesus had to do is say the word and someone was healed. All that Jesus had to do is say the word and the whole universe came into existence. Word of God, it's powerful. We learned the importance of praying in the Spirit as we pray those perfect intercessory prayers found in Romans chapter 8. When we don't know how to pray or we don't know what we're even supposed to pray, those words without, that are spoken without one intelligible word, those moans and groans as we pray in the Spirit, He is interceding on our behalf. And of course we learned again about the critical role of God's written word in training ourselves to discern his voice, knowing how to distinguish his voice. And that's a, a big aspect of what Daryl's going to be taking us men into. You know I, I, you know, I also work full-time for a bank on the side, and what the bank does with its tellers is it trains them. It trains them how to recognize a real bill of currency. And it's by training them how to look at and to recognize and discern the authentic that they can immediately spot into their fraud. You know, I, I love some of these, um, these tools that have been given. Um, I, I referred to that book several times, you know, all of these uh, you know, other false religions that rise up. But the reason that those false religions and, and whatnot are able to rise up and to bring destruction is because they malign the Word of God. Even Satan, when he was tempting Jesus in the desert, you know what the devil used to tempt Jesus, right? He quoted the Word of God. He quoted the word of God. It's not enough just to know the written word of a text of an ancient book. We also need that revelation of what it's saying. We need to know the person of God, the person of the Holy Spirit. We need to have that relationship because I know something that my son would say and things that he wouldn't say. Now, I know he would say some things I'm not happy about him saying, but I still know if somebody comes to me and says, Marie did this or that, I'm like, no, 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 she would never. Because of a relationship, because I know. When you know the genuine, you can more quickly pick up on the counterfeit. And Jesus said the voice of a stranger, we won't listen to. Even when that voice of a stranger is quoting the word of God, right? We won't listen to it. No, 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 that's not what that means. Because uh, trust me, you can take the word of God and make it say almost anything you want to say. You can use it to justify just about anything that you think or do. You can find a scripture to back it up. That's why it's so critically important to do what Daryl is training us men to do. To put the word of God in its proper context. Context is king. So that we can interpret it correctly. And be able to rightly divide up the word of God. 
God's word is powerful and alive as the Holy Spirit is still pouring out revelation to us through it, breathing new life into those ancient words. In fact, the Bible itself, it's, it's, it in itself is a written document of God's revelation, right? Um, it was written by about 40 men over the course of about 1,500 years um, and yet, with all those different authors speaking and writing, and they were all writing in their own um, style and whatnot, it still carries the same theme throughout the generations as it still does today. It's by no means a collection of storybooks or fairy tales. It is the voice of God. It records historically accurate accounts, as Daryl had actually even shared this morning, reading my notes. <laughs> no, but it's true. It, re it records historically written accounts, what people said, what they did, even though it was mean and nasty and wrong, it records it. It's historically accurate. It also includes poetic expressions of God's revelation. Peter explained it this way in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 to 21. As we're learning now, we're going to be trained how to hear the voice of God in our own lives. And he said, for we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We received honor and glory from God the Father when his voice came from him, from majestic glory, saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. If you're wondering where this is quoted from, check out John chapter 3 when Jesus was being baptized. That's where we see the triune Godhead in the most clear form. You see Jesus the Son, distinct from the Spirit that was descending like a dove, distinct from the Father who said, this is my Son. You see the three persons in one. It's so cool. Anyways, we continue on. Power and water baptism as well. He said, we ourselves heard his voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. Or was this when the transfiguration took place? I get them mixed up sometimes, I'm sorry. Dive into the word for yourself. Pastor Steve sometimes gets things confused. <laughs> that did happen in John chapter 3, but I think what Peter's actually referring to is, anyways, we continue on. In verse 19, we also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable. What is the word of God? Completely reliable. You will do well to pay attention to it as a light shining in a dark place. And that's what the author said in Psalm 119, your word is a light Unto my path, King James-ish, unto my path, right? That's how I memorize it, so that's how I remember it too. Until the day dawns, the morning star rises in your hearts. You have this flashlight of God's word, and it's still critically important, but until the dawn lights in your hearts, the glory comes. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In fact, I've been reading, um, I believe it was, it was in Jeremiah, there are these prophets of the Lord declaring the word of the Lord, and they're saying all these nice things, and Jeremiah was coming like, yeah, God's going to destroy you. Y'all got to turn away from your sin. Nobody liked him. Nobody wanted to listen to that prophet. There are still false prophecies floating around today. If you don't believe it, just check out YouTube. There's all kinds of prophecies out there. We need to be able to discern truth from inerrancy, even when they're quoting from the same word. You'll find leaders, even of this nation, quoting the Bible and killing babies. And somehow they justify the both. It sickens me personally, but they quote the word of God mm, to do the work of the enemy. Peter physically, though, he heard the voice of his father with his own ears. He personally saw the miraculous power of God throughout the ministry of Jesus, then through his own followers, and then through the church. That same power being released. He was an eyewitness of it all. He knew that none of it was a made-up story, a fairy tale, but it all certainly took place. He was also convinced because of that that every written word of God, every scroll that you could pull out of any synagogue was completely reliable and accurate and trustworthy. He explained that even though it was written by humans, the true origin of those words were God himself through the Holy Spirit. Paul also described the written word of God in this way, 2 Timothy 3.16. Most of us have this memorized. All scripture is God-breathed. By the way, the, the word used for God-breathed, it, it's unique. 
It's, it's nowhere else recorded in the scriptures, just like the word Maria shared this morning. I love words like that, because it's like, there's nothing on this earth that I can use to describe this heavenly reality, so I'm going to make up a word for it. It's God-breathed, you know? It's, it, that's what it is. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all the training that you will ever need for every good work that God ever calls you to, it's found right here in the written word of God, right? I love it. God breathed. That is all of scripture. God inspired. One of the ways which we regularly hear God's voice is through our minds. I'm going to be starting here because I believe this is the most common and it's also the most commonly missed. If you want to hear the voice of God, you're probably already hearing it right there in your mind. And you just don't realize it. You just don't discern it. You think it's your thoughts. You think it's your imagination. You think this, you think that, you think that. We think so many things. Oh my goodness. Our thoughts are a whirlwind. It's, you know, I, I've seen these, the meme floating around on the internet. Like, you know, that, that's sort of what my mind looks like all the time. I've got all these different browser tabs open. And, you know, one of them's playing music somewhere and I can't find it and can't stop it. And, you know, you got a song stuck in your head. And you just, you've always got all these things always swirling all through your mind. Sometimes it makes it hard to discern the, the word of God. It reminds me of when Elijah was on the mountain and, you know, the, the, the wind came and the fire came and the earthquake came. And it was that still quiet voice on the other side of all of that that was the Lord. That's where he is. He's not in all those other things. But what do we fill our lives with? All these distractions that God's not in. They may be godly things. They may be good things. But he's not in them. In fact, the Psalms warn us that some of us toil and labor day and night and it all comes to nothing because the Lord wasn't in any of them. It's so critically important to hear the voice of God so that we can do the work of God. That's what Jesus said he did. He did only what he saw the Father doing. What did Jesus say the Holy Spirit is going to tell us? Only what he hears from Jesus. What is he going to bring to us? Only what comes from the Father. Now, it can be means of our thoughts, literally words, things that we think. Uh, most commonly, it's through our dreams as we sleep. Oh, the increase of dreams have been happening. We've been waking up, and our family's been every morning waking up, and it's like, I had this crazy dream last night. You know, I love it. Visions. An increase of revelation this year. God is pouring out his revelation into the church, not just here at New Hope, but all through the world. His church, his body, his revelation is being poured out in an increased measure. Dreams and visions. Visions are things that we kind of imagine that we, while we're awake. Now we understand through the Bible God used dreams and visions, but where do dreams and visions take place? In your brain, in your mind, right? That's where dreams and visions happen. So it is with the, the spoken word of God. Thoughts, so often. And just bear with me here, because I really struggled with this one for a while. Um, that's how we hear God. That's how we hear God. Sometimes we, we even call them gut feelings. You know, I, just for, again, you can't explain it. I know this is God. I know I'm not supposed to do this. I know that that's not right, and I can't really explain it. It's just a gut feeling, you know? That, that, that's, that's the phrase, phraseology that I use. But it's the Spirit's unction. It's the Spirit speaking. The Holy Spirit uses all of them to speak to us. In fact, he prophesied it, right? We love Joel chapter 2, uh, looking at the day of Pentecost. Uh, God said in, in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, Afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Apparently I'm getting old then because I've been dreaming some dreams. These younger men, they see visions. <laughs> and by the way, this is not black and white. All of us can prophesy and see visions and dream dreams, but I just love it. Even on my servants, both men and women. And oh my goodness, was this controversial when this was written in the Jewish historical context. Men and women hearing the voice, standing up and prophesying? What? No way. That's why I love that Joel said that your daughters will prophesy. They will speak in the church. Woo! I, I work with a guy, I, trust me, godly man, an elder in the church. I think that's why God kind of led me to, you know, first call for a season. And we've had so many conversations about this because in their church, they wear head coverings. Women do not speak. They ask their husbands afterward, you know, what they're, and there's a biblical context for that. And he argued with me. He's like, now, 
you know, yes, you could say it was dealing with a specific situation there and blah, 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 blah. It's like, but he is the, the Adam and Eve, you know? Adam was over Eve anyways. Another message for another time. But I love it. I love that here in Joel, way back when it was not cool, when it was not culturally acceptable, he prophesied that daughters would be prophesying, that old men would dream dreams, young men would see visions. He'd pour out his spirit on men and women in those days. Boy, they weren't ready to handle it yet, but they were also, God was also going to pour out his spirit on the Gentiles, Samaritans. Whew. I'm so thankful and grateful for it. But he did say it. He just didn't call it out specifically. He said he'd pour out his spirit on all people, all people. I love the unifying force of the Holy Spirit. Nobody in this world can unify the way that the Holy Spirit does. doesn't matter your economic status, your, your language, your, your race, your, you know, whatever. He brings us all together. He broke gender barriers way before. The world's doing it in a really weird, flaky way. You know, God is able to break those barriers by having us remain male and female and yet coming together as one. That's his goal. Not to, like, hack the thing off and call himself female. That's, that's not how, how God wanted us to do this thing. And, I'm saying so many things, and Becky's not here to keep me grounded. I'm moving on. Anyways, trust me, the ways of God are much better than the ways of the world. That's all I'm saying. You know, God wanted to break gender barriers. He wanted us to all be one in him. In fact, the Bible says there's no male or female in Christ. We are all one. But that doesn't mean that we lose our identity as a male or female. It just, it's like we're... we're, we're Half hearing a truth. That's basically what I'm getting to. You know, there is something stirring that God wants to do, but the world's kind of seeing it wrong and going about it in the wrong way. Let's embrace the kingdom culture and what God wants to do. So I struggled with this on my own to clarify this gut feeling, how God speaks through our thoughts or our minds. But I knew my experiences because I tested. It was so cool when I first learned to do this. You know, um, you know, it'd be whatever. I think I've shared this many times, but, you know, wherever we're at, I would ask. I'm, you know, it's down here checking out Dollar General, and there's a young guy there, and I'm like, so, so how are things going in college? And he's like, I never met the man before, no idea. But I was testing, Spirit, is that your voice, or am I just imagining things? And he's like, oh, actually, I'm really struggling with this one class. And then, you know, I prayed for him, and it's like, test. You are hearing God's voice more than you realize. You know things you shouldn't be able to know because they're spirit revealed. Start testing them. Have some fun with this. But th this was my experience. But when I read through the word of God, because those of you who know me, I, you may have to break me out of this box a little bit, but everything that happens, I want to be able to back it up with the word of God. I don't ever want to do or say something that is not backed up by scripture. I especially don't want to stand up here and say something that God's word doesn't say. That'd be so out of line. God has given me this place and anointing to, to share his word, not my own. His thoughts and his opinions, not mine. Trust me, you don't want any of mine. And so I'm like, okay, there's a discrepancy between God's word and my experiences. I mean, all through the Bible, it says that the Lord said to me, and, and they write it down. But it doesn't say whether it was an audible voice, because that's what I always believed, or whether they're hearing him in his mind, and I just really was struggling with this. I'm like, okay, God, I want black and white, you know, I, I don't want to teach something that isn't accurate, that God speaks to me through my mind. And so I, I went back to that scripture of, uh, found in Second Peter, where he explains how the written word of God was given to those who wrote it down, and that the scripture is that scripture that that he speaks he uses a greek word that is commonly translated into english phrases um these and i'll go back to what was it the peter the peter scripture where he said as they were carried along by the holy spirit the whole word of god the, the physical bible was written by people as they were carried along by the holy spirit and the greek word used for this it often gets um gets translated into the english phrases as i just said in the niv as they're carried along under the control of the Holy Spirit, under the power of the Holy Spirit, moved by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, under the direction of the Holy Spirit, prompted by the Holy Spirit. This is the way the Spirit of God moves. Demonic spirits possess you and force you to do things and say things. Demonic possession. Holy Spirit will never possess you and force you to do anything. The Holy Spirit will be like, hey, let's do this. Hey, let's say this. And then you have your own free will. That's how you can be blessed, for obediently following him, right? That's why there's a reward waiting for you in heaven. But 
this word is translated so many different ways. It was like almost every English Bible that I, I opened up, quote unquote, because I pull up digitally. But I looked at all these parallel versions and I'm just like, my goodness, like there's so many different English. And that's a clue. When you see all these English translations different, it's like, okay, what is the, the root Greek word here that they were translating and trying to explain in a way that we can understand it? And it is this word, Pharaoh. Literally pronounced like the old Egyptian dude that led his king, Pharaoh. It's the Greek word Pharaoh. And in the Strong's Concordance, dealing with these scriptures, because it's the same word that Peter uses in verse 21 and 17. He uses the same word Pharaoh when he said, I heard the voice, heard the voice of God saying, this is my son whom I will please. You do right to follow him, obey him, however you read it. And also these phrases carried along by under control of Peter said the same thing twice, but all the English Bibles translate it two different ways. I don't like the English language. It stinks. But anyways, I speak it anyways. At least Western with my gnats and whatnot, my Pittsburghese. I continue on. Um, the Strong's Concordance defines this verb. This is a root verb. It's not a derivative of some other word. It's a root verb. And it's the action that, that's de described as this. Of the mind to be moved inwardly prompted so the Bible has been saying that the whole time it's just we interpret it weird in the mind inwardly being prompted that, that's the word the Greek word Pharaoh in all of these instances so reading God's word that's translated in our own wonderful English language it it left me questioning that discrepancy but the reality is God's word was true all the time that is how he speaks to us inwardly through through um, through our thoughts you know, essentially. Um, it was right there the whole time. The voice of God moves inwardly in the mind, prompting us, leading us, guiding us, speaking to us. There's a really cool place whenever I pulled up the concordance. There's another, it caught my attention right away because I know this verse. And I'm like, no way. That's the same word in Acts chapter 2. The sound of a mighty rushing wind. Pharaoh. It's the same Greek word that we translate in this big, long this blowing of a violent wind, that big phrase is just the word Pharaoh. Suddenly a sound, again, hearing the voice of God, it, inwardly it came from heaven, it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Like, I don't know how an inward sound can fill the whole house and just, whatever, it's God. <laughs> but it's really cool. It's another, it's, but what this is, is a leading, a guiding of the Spirit. It is a response of the Spirit. It's the Spirit, in fact, when you read in the concordance, another, another term that's kind of used here. They pull it from actually a uh, book of Homer. Um, not Homer Simpson, by the way, but you know, the old, the old Greek dude, Homer. Um, it's, it's like the sails catching a mighty wind. It's that mighty gust, that verb. That verb Pharaoh is also used by other, other um, you know, writings to describe this like force, this like force of wind. And that's the Holy Spirit, right? I, I can't see the Spirit, but I can feel him moving. In the same way that I can't see the wind, but I can see the effects of the wind. I can see the leaves, you know, anyways. This Greek word, he, Pharaoh, that's the verb. That's the moving of the Holy Spirit, the, the guiding, the unction, the, the gut feeling of the Holy Spirit when he moves. It's so cool. He speaks to you. You are his sheep. You hear his voice. Um, this is why we receive revelation by, through the Holy Spirit. And we, um, actually, these are the, the verbs that it has these different meanings. This, it's a bringing forth, it's a bearing, it's a producing, a, a carrying, a leading, an announcing. and It's really hard to describe, basically, but it's a move of the Spirit. It's a verb, it's an action, it's a, a moving of the Spirit. That's what this word means. And it's, it's one of my new favorite Greek words this week, by the way. I, just, I love this word, and I'll probably, just like the dynamos with the dynamite power of God, you know, that you'll never forget it, you know. Um, or the logos versus, um, the, 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 yeah, I can't even remember it now because it's my new favorite. What's that? Huh? No, not ethos. That's a cool one too. Rhema. Yeah, Rhema versus Logos. Spoken word of God versus written word of God. Um, thank you. I just talked about that last week and I forgot it. But this is why the Spirit pharaohs us, why he leads us and guides us and how he speaks to us through our mind. Um, because we've read about this before. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12 says that the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God that we may understand. 
what God has freely given us. It's through the Spirit that you more thoroughly understand who you are in Christ, the authority you have been given in Christ, the resources that have been poured out into your life through Christ. The Holy Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. He knows the mind of God. That's how, remember last week we talked about how we had the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ because we have the Holy Spirit. It gives us access to the mind of Christ. It's not that we physically have it. If we did, our head would explode. We couldn't contain that kind of knowledge. We weren't designed for it, but we have access to it. Like in the old school, we used to have the old Dewey Decimal System in the library and Encyclopedia Britannica. That's how I had to do my reports and write the, the references. You know, they have the internet now, newfangled angled thing. But we have access to those resources, to that treasury of heaven. In fact, last time I read, I couldn't find anything that was off limits to us. Anything. So cool. We should have so much more fun in the kingdom. But it only makes logical sense that the Holy Spirit within us would speak through our minds because he knows the thoughts of God. He knows our thoughts. And it's only the Spirit within us that understands and knows our thoughts. That Why would he not speak to us that way instead of an audible voice that we're waiting to hear through our ears, right? How many of us were like me? I'm like, I don't hear God's voice because I'm waiting for, you know, Charles Heston to speak through my ears. And it never happened, you know? You're waiting for an audible voice. But that's why Jesus said it's going to be so much better when I leave, because I can send the Spirit of truth who knows all things. It's better to have the Holy Spirit within me that speaks to my thoughts, that pops thoughts into my head, than it is having an audible voice outside of you. You have free access all the time, 24-7, 365. That's why we were called to pray without ceasing. Prayer is just communicating with God, listening to God, speaking to God. You can do it all right there in your mind. You know, remember Samuel, that guy we talked about last week? His mom was just crying out for a child. She was barren, and she just wasn't feeling loved. And, and, and the, the great pastor Eli, woman, you've been drinking again, haven't you been? Because she's speaking in words that are inaudible, and he's a bunch of gibberish, you know. And here she is, she is praying in her mind. She gets rebuked by the man of God, and he screwed up and whatever. Us pastors, we screw up every now and then, you know, and rebuke when we should encourage, and we misinterpret what's happening. That's why we need the spirit of discernment, to know that Billy wasn't dying, she was just in the spirit, but Susie, she needed medical attention ASAP. Discernment, discernment, we need discernment. God, what are you doing right here in our midst? Your kingdom's right here among us. What are you doing? What's happening in the heavenly realms? Angel, they, they need something released right now, you know, to be able to cooperate, to be able to cooperate. That's how the early church was so successful in their ministry. It only makes logical sense that the Holy Spirit would speak that way. He brings forth revelation inwardly in our minds through dreams and visions. We're cool with those. Thoughts? You're a little flaky. You might need some medical attention, right? No. The Spirit will speak to you in your mind through your thoughts. That's really cool. Though he is using our imagination, it's sourced by the Holy Spirit, not of ourselves. Which is how, why God is speaking to us. Because we can think and we can imagine, we can envision so many wicked things inwardly, right? I mean, that's, I, I know every time I've been, bought, been, been led off into sin, it started right here in my brain, you know? <laughs> I thought it would be you know, really cool to do something. And, you know, the, the whole, forgive me, but, you know, the whole hold my beer thing. And, you know, and something stupid happens. It starts in your brain. And then when you are halfway through it, you're like, this was stupid. <laughs> Anybody with me? Anybody? I'm the only one that's ever done that. Yeah, exactly. It starts in your brain. Okay. I'm sorry. I know I'm starting to get a little dry right now. We're getting back into good stuff here. I, I promise. Just stick with me. We can think and imagine and envision so many things. In Genesis 6, before sending the flood, God said that. The Lord saw, this is Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. We think it's bad now. You should have seen it back in the days of Noah. Although it's starting to look a lot like those days, by the way. That every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Wow. I can't imagine a world like that. Every thought all the time, every inclination of every human heart was evil all the time. Except for a man who found the grace of God named Noah. Right? Man, 
But God didn't judge their acts. God wasn't concerned about the things they were doing. God was concerned about their thoughts. Right? God was concerned about their thoughts because he said this, Proverbs 23, 7, For as a man thinks within himself, so he is. The way we think, that's how we are. That's why it's so important to get the mind of Christ, to hear the voice of God. Because our thoughts, they lead to perspectives. Our perspectives lead to attitudes. That's why we can't solve race problems with teaching and training. It, it starts in the mind, and the heart. It's sort of one and the same, according to Hebrew translations. It's that inward man, our inward man, you know, our spirit man. That's the heart, the mind. Our thoughts lead to perspectives. Our perspectives lead to attitudes. Our attitudes lead to behaviors. Our behaviors lead to habits. And those habits are how outwardly we are defined by people. That's who we become. But it all starts with our thoughts. All starts with our thoughts. You know, it's basically like those old cartoons that I watched whenever I was a kid. You know, they had the thought bubble. That's how you knew they were thinking something, you know? There's a little thought bubble. Or then, like, the sitcoms in the 80s and 90s, there'd be, like, these chimes, like, blah, 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 blah. And then there'd be, like, this white faded border around, and there'd be a scene that played out, you know? And that's how you knew it was in their imagination. Um, you know, that kind of thing, if, if you're understanding me. That's sort of how the Spirit speaks to us. It's real to you. No one else is understanding what's happening. That's how you hear the voice of God. Sometimes it is a vision. Sometimes it is a dream. You literally see a scene play out. Sometimes it's just in your mind. Sometimes you see it like overlaid in real life. You know, technology's picking up on augmented reality. Spirit's been doing augmented reality forever, you know? I've seen things on people and I'm like, I know that's not physically there, but why am I seeing this thing, you know? It's... It's really cool when you experience it. Really creeps you out at first, you know, but yeah, it's the way that the Spirit moves and speaks and shows you that He wants to do something. That is why, you know, what, before we're saved, before we're saved and we are redeemed, we use our thoughts and our imaginations for our own selfish will, our own ambition, our own whimsy, our own entertainment, our own fantasy. But now that we've surrendered all we are to Jesus, and he has deposited the Holy Spirit within us. He uses our imaginations, our minds, for their intended purpose, direct communication with us. So we got to make sure we're not so quick to dismiss the Holy Spirit as he's using our minds and imaginations to speak to us, a.k.a. you know, uh, Pharaoh, the, the Greek word. That's also why the most intense spiritual battles take place on our, in our minds. If you've never read it before, Joyce Meyer wrote this awesome study and book called The Battlefield of Our Mind, right? And it's really, really good stuff. I'm a guy and I know it's written for women in women's ministry, but it's the Word of God, you know, and it, it, it's just so powerful and transforming, realizing. Um, listen to the language that Paul chose to use about our thought life. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war the way the world does. The weapons fight with are not the weapons of the world on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds how do we demolish strongholds verse we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god and we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to christ these are some forceful, belligerent words. These are action words. Don't dare just entertain every thought that enters into your mind. Well, if Paul is telling us to do this, then guess what? Thoughts that pop into our head can be more than just from us, more than just from God. They can be from the enemy. They can be from others. Sometimes I hear Stan in my head some of the things that he said, words of wisdom in the past, you know? You hear people's voices, right? My dad passed away two years ago. I still hear his voice in my head every now and then. You hear that voice word inwardly. Um, but if the devil can deceive us into thinking that we don't hear God's voice, that everything that happens in our mind is just your own imagination, then guess what? He has already held you captive to do his will. You're already a prisoner of war. He can trick whatever thoughts he wants to in your life, make you think whatever you want about people, make you, you know, prejudice in 
way. He can make you do whatever he wants you to do. We never stop to consider that that might actually be the voice of a stranger that we're hearing and following. Some people have done really evil things, and they called it the voice of God. God told me to do this. It was not the, the one true living God that we serve, know, and love, and worship, right? can trap people, take them captive, and force them to do his will. God will never do that. Trust me, I've asked him too many times. <laughs> I have begged God to take my will and just make me do right, you know? <laughs> just, I'll just be a marionette in your kingdom, you know? I just, just, I just want to do what you want me to do. And God's like, no, 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 no. You need to care more about who you are than what you do. I care more that you are my child and that you get to know me through relationship than I do controlling and manipulating you and you doing the right things. That was a hard thing when I heard God tell me that. You know, it's, it should be an encouraging thing. But I'm a doer. Just tell me what to do and I'll do it. God's like, no, you're my child. Let's just hang out together, you know. It all starts there before we do anything. But this is tough, and Paul literally said this. Um, that's a pretty cool quote too, but by the way, from Paul Bungian, John Bungian, not Paul Bungian. That was the dude, that was the, the lumberjack, you know, that, yeah, my hero, but, uh, but John Bungian, an idle man's brain is the devil's workshop. So true. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 23 to 36. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because they only produce quarrels. Now I love this thing called apologetics. I love defending what I believe and why I believe it. I love taking people down, you know, bring it on. But sometimes the best way you can bring it on and take people down is with the loving kindness of God that draws them to repentance and helps them escape the trap of the devil. At least according to Paul's writing to Timothy here. Paul writing to young Timothy. Timothy must have been a scrapper, man. He must have been, you know, he must have liked to get into it with people. But he said, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. I love the proverb was to say, um, argue with a fool or he'll think he's wise. Don't argue with a fool because, uh, anyways, in other words, you can't win. You can't win with a fool. Come on, spirit. I'm waiting for that last part. Don't, don't answer a fool according to his folly or he'll think that he's wise. Answer a fool according to his folly. Anyways, I can't remember the last part, but you'll have to look it up. Look it up. It's better that way anyways to find it out for yourself. It's in Proverbs. Um, but don't have anything to do with arguments. They only produce course. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome. They must be kind to everyone. They must be able to teach and not resentful. Because I'm telling you, the moment that you offend somebody, they're not hearing a word you're saying. They're just getting ready to make you look bad. While you're talking, they're thinking of the rebuttal. They're not listening to you. To be able to teach is to be able to first build relationship with the student, to understand the student, not that you agree with them, but understand where they're at so that you can present truth and teach and instruct and encourage. And that's the way the Lord deals with us, right? His loving kindness draws us to repentance. In fact, he goes on and he says that opponents must be gently instructed in hope that God will grant them repentance. You can't argue someone into the kingdom of God. You cannot fight and argue and intellectually win someone over for Christ. It has to be an act of God drawing them to repentance. It has to be a cooperation with God. You don't need a written response. Just say with the Holy Spirit. I, I don't like that about our, our governing authorities, right? You know, they get up there with their big binders and they just read what they're told to read, you know, or they read from a teleprompter they're told to teleprompter. Be you, man. Be you. Let, 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 let's hear your opinion, your will. You're in that position for a reason. So you be you. Don't, don't speak what a, 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 a group of other people tell you to speak, right? That's why when we get in front of people, don't worry about what you're going to say or what you're going to do. Just let the Holy Spirit move in and through you. Speak what his voice tells you. And he goes on. He says, that, um, so opponents must be gently instructed in hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. We think that's how you get to God. And God says, no, no, no. I lead them to repentance, then they know truth. We think we can beat them over the head with truth, and they'll repent and go to the kingdom. We, we got it backwards right? Gently teach and instruct 
hoping that God leads them to repentance. I'm sorry, I'm just having a revelation as I'm sharing this here. This is supposed to be a real quick thing, not, not a big part of the message. So cool, though. We get it backwards. We present truth thinking that that will lead them to repentance to God. God says, you gently teach, I will lead them to repentance, and then they will accept the truth. Man, we could be so much more effective in our evangelism, couldn't we, if we just did it that way? Not without the, the megaphone with, you know, blasting truth at people. And it says in verse 26, please, please, please hear this. This is a reality that we need to be aware of. Sometimes we're trying to set people free and they don't even know they're in a trap, right? If you've ever trapped in life and you've come up on an, a, a cat or a dog that got caught in a trap that you were intending for a coon, trust me, the trap's not the enemy. You are! <laughs> you're trying to set them free. But guess what? You're the enemy. You're causing them pain. You're the bonehead that's got them in this place. They're not going to be like, oh, okay. Here's my leg. Take me out of the trap. No, they're going to be like, they're going to bite you and snarl you and claw at you, right? Sometimes you just got to beat them over the head and do what you need to do, and then they'll come to consciousness later. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that to a, a no. <laughs> but right, have that same picture in your head when we're dealing with the lost. They don't realize this reality in verse 26. That they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. They're caught in the trap of the enemy and they don't even know it. He's forcing them to live life a certain way. They don't even know it. And when you reveal that trap, you're the bad guy. You're the one that's putting them in bondage. You're not the one setting them free. Anybody ever experienced this in life with people before? Man, the enemy is the master of deceit. He'll paint the good guy the bad guy. Isn't that what the Bible says? In the end days, they will call good evil and evil good, right? Master of deceit. Okay, that was a whole other message for a whole other time. But God gives us this wonderful thing, the gift of discernment. We have a discerning spirit so that we can judge accurately. We can judge whether a thought or a dream or a vision is just us whether it's the devil, whether it's the influence of the world around us because we've been watching too much news, or whether it's God. If it's not from God, or if it's not godly from his kingdom, then we can take it captive, correct it, and make it obedient to Jesus. I used to teach you, you can just throw it out. The Bible doesn't tell you to throw those thoughts out. The Bible tells you to, see, false teacher, you know. The Bible doesn't teach us to throw those thoughts out. He teaches us, take that thought, hold it captive, make it obedient to Jesus. You know? Okay, this thought says this. Um, let's, let's make it a practical sense. The doctor says this, gives you this diagnosis, and yeah, that's your reality. And you can accept it and be like, that's just who I am. I'm done. It's over. I just got to live with this the rest of my life. Right? Or we can take that report, take that thought. Yep, that's true. That's, that's what's happening right now. But the word of God says that by his stripes, I am healed. The Bible says, you know, that, that, uh, that I will experience the abundance of life here on this earth. The Bible says here on earth, as is him. You know, and you can make it obedient to Christ. Like, okay, that's a thought, but we're going to make you follow what Jesus says about this. Read through the gospel accounts and see how often Jesus knew what someone was thinking. And he would immediately respond to their thoughts and he would replace those misguided thoughts with truth. That's why we're also called to do this, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2, right? Don't conform to the pattern of the world. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve. You have to test every thought. Test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, perfect will. Because we are his sheep, we hear his voice. You hear his voice in your thought life all the time. You just haven't learned to discern it and to recognize it. But that's what you're getting trained to do. We know him and we will follow him. John 10, 27. We will not listen to the voice of a stranger. We will win the war in our minds. We will win. We will be victorious. So pay careful attention to what thoughts just pop up in your brain. Make note of any dreams or visions you have. You may think it's just your imagination, but it may very well be God, the God of all the universe, pouring out revelation into your life. Make note of them and test them. We're going to end with this quick, quick little test to judge if it's God's voice. All right? If you're hearing God's voice, you've got to be sure that you can back it up. 
because we're God's sheep and we hear his voice, we need to be able to back it up. B, does it bear witness with your own spirit? That gut feeling that, um, in fact, there's several scriptures for this, um, but it may contradict your flesh, but it may settle well being judged right in our spirit through our conscience. And there's a lot to dive into in all of that, but I'm just going to leave it there. You'll know whether something is just right. It may offend your flesh, but you're like, you know what? It's right. And, and literally, Romans, there's several scriptures, Romans 8.16, Romans 9.1, where Paul talks about how something bears, bears witness with our spirit within, that it bears witness with it. We just, we just know it's right. You just have a peace about it. Even though it may raise turmoil and chaos in your life, you, just, you have a sense of peace about it. It bears witness. When you hear something, does it bear witness with your own spirit? Does it agree with God's written word? And does it align with God's character? Does it agree with his word? Because God is not a man that he should lie. You know, he doesn't speak one thing and act another way and all these different things. Does it align with what we find in God's written word about him, about his character, his nature, the way the kingdom operates? Does it align with those things? This is another test. This is one that I learned about the hard way through my own personal life. Does it cause the fruits of the Spirit to grow? I've taught my children to do this because I learned it the hard way in life. Okay, let's take that thought and let's just, in our minds right here and in discussion, let that thought carry out. Because a thought can seem good at the time and it can seem godly at the time. But if I let this thought plant into my life, grow, and bear fruit, what's the end result? What's the end result of this thought? What roads could it potentially lead down? And if you see that every road that this is leading down is just going to cause division and strife and envy, this isn't the Spirit speaking. This is not the voice of God. This is the voice of the enemy or the voice of the world or my own voice. Or, this is not the voice of God. Does it cause the fruits of the Spirit? Galatians 5. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, and I forgot one. Gentleness, thank you. <laughs> You've never heard those before, have you? And finally, the way to back it up, is it confirmed in other ways? You're his sheep, you hear his voice. Especially when it's a big decision. You know, when I was first called into full-time ministry and to leave my job behind, Actually, let's go way, 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 way back. Let's go back when I was first called into ministry, way before anything was about positions or anything. You know, back when I first heard the Lord. It was in an altar time at a church, and um, the pastor was calling it out, and there's a prophetic word going out, and someone's getting called, and just, like, it was really cool. Uh, I just felt this, like, water this come over me, and I just knew that I was being called, you know, into, into ministry in a, a bigger way than what I was serving in already. And then, over the course of the next few months, people would just randomly say to me, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, it's so cool. God will confirm it in other ways. Um, if you're not sure if it's God's voice, we want to be, I struggle with this when I go back and forth, we want to be quick to respond to the voice of God. Quickly obey. But there is also a grace and mercy side of God that if you're Gideon and you say, okay, this is huge. This could kill people. This could kill me. I want to make sure I'm hearing your voice. He fleeced it. We call it a fleece, right? Literally, he took some of the lambs thing, and he's like, okay, God, if this is you, could you please, pretty please, can you please just, you know, make this side wet, this side dry? And then he's like, oh, okay, that happened. You know what? But I just want to be 100% sure. And I'm like, flip it, you know, make the other side wet, the other side dry, right? Was that the fleece? And God did it. We need to learn to be quick to respond to the voice of God and quickly obey without having to question it all the time. But when you're first learning to hear God's voice, and it's more, it's not that I'm not trusting God. It's not that I'm not trusting myself. I'm not trusting myself that I'm really hearing from him. It's okay to ask God to confirm it, especially when it's a big life. Not if you should go to Mickey D's or Burger King, okay? Don't fleece that. But man, if you're making a huge life decision, there's going to have a ripple effect in your family, in the community, you know. I mean, really fleece that. You know, it's okay. 
It's okay to get confirmation. Sometimes he will confirm it without you. I don't know how many times we thought we were hearing something from God and then Sharon gets up in the, middle, in the beginning of the service and shares the same thing. And then during worship, somebody shares the same thing. And it's like, God's just confirming. We didn't talk to each other. We didn't communicate. But guess who we're communicating with? The same spirit. And so there's confirmations that take place. And you can find that in all kinds of scriptures. Judges I talked about with uh, Gideon, but 2 Peter 1.10, it's right there. It talks about confirming your calling, your election, confirming that you're hearing the voice of God. Hebrews 6.17, we could go on and on and on and on. So if, if you're not sure if you're hearing God's voice, this, it's not a complete test, not a thorough test. It's just a general guideline that I felt the Spirit gave me. I mean, you're a sheep, you hear his voice, so back it up, right? Does it bear witness with my spirit? Does it agree with his word, align with his character? Will it cause the fruits of the spirit to grow? And can it be confirmed? Can it be confirmed? All right, next week, join us again. We're going to be talking about other ways that God brings his revelation. But this, I think, is the most common and the most commonly missed way that you hear God's voice and don't realize it. Right within your own thoughts. So let's close in prayer. So Jesus, we thank you that we are your sheep, that we hear your voice, that we will recognize and discern the voice of a stranger, and that we would not follow it. Thank you, Jesus. You declared that truth. We are your sheep. We hear your voice. But help us, Jesus, to discern your voice, to distinguish your voice above all the noise in my head. Lord, help me to learn how to still and to quiet the way that Elijah did, where there was earthquakes and fire and wind and storms. He waited. He knew that you were not in any of those things. He waited for the still, small voice of you, Lord, in all of life's chaos. Help me, Lord, to discern your voice above all the noise, to distinguish it, to hear it, and Lord, I'm committing this morning, I will obey it. Even if it makes no earthly sense, if your voice calls me to do it, I will do it, Lord. I am your servant. I am here to do your will. I am here to see your kingdom here on the earth accomplished. Lord, help me this week to hear your voice more clearly, to distinguish it more quickly in your name. Amen.